This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. Simply Said is the place we come together to talk about the simple ways we can live well, do good, and be happy. And we might just change the world while we're at it. Are you ready? Let's do it! I'm Polly, and you're listening to Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And here's the thing. We are living in extraordinary times, and I think it's just the time to be talking about this stuff. Because despite the fact that most of us are choosing to stay in place, to shelter in place, to stay at home, to avoid exposure and the spread of COVID-19, I think living well and doing good and being happy, I think all those things are just as relevant now because those things aren't external anyhow, right? These things are up to us. And and the habits and the beliefs and the practices and the boundaries we put in place to support our essence, our internal self, so that we can be better partners and parents and workers and whatever we are doing in the external world. We are a product of our mindsets and our attitude. And while our lives look different right now, we can still do important and meaningful things. We can still help others. We can still find moments of joy and happiness. This is the time we have, no matter what it looks like. So those are the things I'm working on right now. And I don't want to sit around waiting for this virus to end and then find a way to be happy. I want to learn about myself and grow today. I want to find a way to be happy today because life isn't without adversity. Life isn't without the rotten stuff. We're always going to encounter that stuff. And we can always become more aware and grow with those things, right? They don't have to be liabilities. And that's why I'm excited today to get into my conversation with the guest on the S2 interview, Dr. Brad Reedy. Hey, Brad. Hi, Polly. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Dr. Reedy is a PhD in marriage and family therapy, and he has research and clinical experience with parenting issues, family trauma and treatment, sexual abuse victims, domestically violent offenders, adults, adolescents, substance abuse issues. We can get into it all. Brad, so many of my friends have told me about your work, your books, your podcast, your wilderness programs. And then I came across your newest book, the audacity to be you. And it looks like your one of your children designed the cover for you. Right. My son's an artist. I, I went to him because I think he has such a creative way of expressing himself with no direction whatsoever. And he took an idea from the book about a child that was looking for a stick to start a group. And I just thought it was a, a sublime and beautiful cover. I love the cover. And I love that story in the book about finding Finding your own stick, making the stick yours. And the book is called The Audacity to Be You, Learning to Love Your Horrible, Rotten Self. And 
of course, that attracted me too, because I have a horrible rotten self at times, you know, and I also have some talents and skills and other things. But so often we try to hide from those horrible rotten things. And your work and your book is really about knowing what those things are and stepping into them so you can be closer to the other people and things in your life. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that a lot of times when we think about mental health and mental health treatment, I think we imagine becoming good or, or, or great or complete or finished. And what I've learned in my own work, and most of this, like, like most of my work, comes from my own work, not, not just my education and degree and training professionally and academically, but from my own work. And what I've learned with my own work is that to become friends with oneself, all of oneself, the parts of ourselves that are neurotic, the parts of our, ourselves that are wounded and symptomatic, that that is really what mental health is about. It's about stopping the war within and, and that, that shift to making friends with our own limitations, mental illnesses, symptoms is, is really what gives us peace and a greater capacity to, to love and be kind to ourselves and, and to others. And that can be really scary when you're talking about, you know, those mental illnesses or those flaws or imperfections or the horrible things that, that we hide within. How does that, how does exploring those things bring us peace? Well, the fact of the matter is we all have those things. Um, just within the last two weeks, I was talking with my therapist about some mistakes I made in a therapy session as a therapist. And, um, I've known my therapist. I've been working with my therapist for 21 years, so we know each other very well, and I know her and trust her implicitly. Um, and at one point, uh, with, with a half smile, she kind of put her hand out, out in front of her, kind of like she was absolving me like she would if she were a, a, a priest, and said, you know, I, I hope you can forgive yourself. I hope you can absolve yourself. And it, it was one example in dozens, hundreds probably, where I was coming to therapy and admitting my, my human fallibility. And she was offering me an experience of it's, it's okay to be you. It's okay to be a human, to make mistakes. And immediately, as always is the case with her, I relaxed. You know, my, my fight or flight, uh, my, my nervous system relaxed and down-regulated. And that kind of response, then I have access to all of my higher level, level thinking and again, it extends to my relationships. Then I can come home. If I can learn to love myself and my fallibility, when I come home to interact with my wife and with my children, I can have that same kind of patience with them. You know, I talk about in the book, the relationship with ourselves becomes the template for all of our relationships. And so when I come home, I can be a little bit of a better husband and a better father because I've made peace with those parts of myself that are, that are hard to tolerate at times. Just when you said it's okay to be you, when, when your therapist said that to you, when you said it here, I just felt myself relax, right? right. Especially right now during this time, I'm, um, you know, living at home with, with a teen daughter who's no longer in school and my husband is, his work life has changed and he's in and out and our, our family structure looks different. And I have felt frustrated with myself. And then I had to remember, and I think it came from reading your book too, when I was preparing for this, that, that I've never done this stuff before. <laughs> I've never been on, um, you know, self-distancing and shelter in place with my entire family and people who don't want to be there all the time. And, and I had to cut myself some slack. And the minute 
I began working on this, I just felt like this exhale, like, oh, okay, now I can get clear on what needs to happen instead of being wrapped up in the stress ball of what I need to do. Yeah, I, I think this time during the, the pandemic and the social distancing and sheltering in place, I think it's like life only more. I mean, I, you know, Ram Dass said, I think I quote this in the book, Ram Dass said that if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. And um, he, he passed away just a few months ago, right before the pandemic um, got to America. Um, and I think if he had been alive today, he would have made that point emphatically, right? That, that this experience of having something that we cannot fix, that we cannot control, that asks us to confront ourselves in our family relationships is really the, the just kind of the, the exaggeration of the way that life challenges us all the time. And so for, I think for a lot of us, we're feeling what you're talking about. We're feeling that challenge. And as we navigate this and struggle through it, um, the only answer I, I know, or the only, the only way I know how to do it is just to be kind to myself because I, I regress. I, I regress to old ways of coping, talking, thinking, responding to other people. Um, and that's what stress does to you. And that's what this lack of freedom and this lack, lack of escape, if you will, does for all of us. So I'm glad that you feel that kindness because it is the healing bomb of, of having an experience where we're okay and, and then everybody else is okay also. Well, in your, in your book, The Audacity to Be You, one of the things you talk about is, is coming to that awareness of and, and that self-kindness of understanding your rottenness or your horribleness, whatever it is for that day doesn't have to be a judgy, angry, beating yourself up kind of experience. It can be a peaceful kind of awareness. And when we get there, then you, you write that we can be in better partnership with the people we care about, the people we work with, the people we live with, the people we love. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I want to say this without, without it coming across like an indictment on, on all of us humans, which is when we, when we grow up and our parents get anxious or frustrated with us, um, upset with us, sad, hurt, um, the only way for a child to interpret that is something's wrong with me. The child, especially in the early stages of life, is very narcissistic and there is no other, right? It's just all me. It's all one thing. And so we internalize people's feelings and reaction to us as something's wrong with us. And it's not, there's no bad intention. It's just natural human interactions. And so what, what I talk about is if we can have a different experience, if we can have an experience with a therapist in, in the case of, of what I'm talking about, where we show up, we, we tell our truth, we, we show up as we are, and they can respond to us with compassion and curiosity um, and, and non-judgment, we, we start to internalize a, a new sense of ourselves that we're okay. And then again, that experience with ourselves extends to everybody else. When I see my children struggle, the more in touch, the more I am aware of myself and my internal struggles, the more compassion, curiosity, and patience I can have with those around me. And, and that, as you can imagine, starts to be like a ripple effect. So my children have that less of my angst that they're carrying, right? They have less mm -hmm. of my anxiety, less of my frustration that, that they're carrying because when I learn to carry around my horrible, rotten self, when a parent does, then our children don't have to do it for us. And that's mm -hmm. a really important concept from the book is as a therapist, as a parent, 
as a spouse even, if you can learn to make friends with and carry around your own horrible, rotten self, the other people in your life don't have to carry it for you. And I think that word you use, curiosity, is a, a really interesting one. I, when I get to the place of curiosity, I don't have the kind of angst you're talking about. When I can be curious about how my daughter is reacting, it doesn't become good or bad. It becomes her reaction, and that becomes interesting. And this time right now, I think, um, yes, I can get into the moment and be fearful and stressed, and all that's valid too. But it's also an interesting time because it's not something we've done before. And I think how you talk about those things can change how you feel about them and then we behave differently. Yeah, I think curiosity is a, a really good initial substitute for, the, for our reactions to people. If we can change our, our, our more reactive emotions, our more upset emotions to curiosity, um, then we can come to a, a compassionate understanding. Um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, I, I use this quote in the book, said, if you could read the secret history of your enemies, you would find in each man's story suffering sufficient to disarm all hostility, right? If we knew people's story, if we really knew them, our, our frustration or disappointment or upset would really turn to compassion. And I think that's where mm -hmm. that curiosity can lead us towards ourselves and towards those that we're close to. What if other people don't like our horribleness, <laughs> our rottenness? <laughs> that's scary. That'll happen. That'll happen, you know, um, and, and it can happen... You know, my wife and I struggle with this and my family struggles with this. So it's, it's, it's natural. Again, I always go back to be kind about it. What, what, what I can only tell you that I do is I spend one hour a week and I have for the last 21 years consistently and before that off and on, I spend one hour a week where somebody regards me, all of me, with that kind of compassion and curiosity that I'm describing. And so I go back to Jamie Gill. I talk about her a lot in the book and all of my work because mm -hmm. she's such an influence on me and such a profound thinker in the field of psychology and mental health. Um, I carry that experience with her that I have for one hour each week and I carry that out with me into the world. So when somebody then gets upset with me, if I'm, if I'm feeling that, that, that influence of my experience with Jamie, I know I'm okay. And then I realize that their reaction to me is a reflection of them, not, not of me. So it's a little bit by little bit experience. And I, I wish I had a different statement or answer to the question about how long it takes, because the fact of the matter is it takes a lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. It takes, it's a practice that we can become involved in, but really does take years and, and our entire life to make the kind of progress that we hope for. How can we start today if we don't have that therapeutic resource yet? And I, I talk on this show, I, I love therapy. It's, it's, been fascinating and interesting and huge support to me and my family in my life. But today, right now, for uh, those of us listening to this, what is a way we can start to develop this kind of awareness and, and get started in this process of, of being okay with all of this and learning about ourselves and being kind and open to that? Well, uh, you know, that's the reason for writing a book, I think, is I'm doing my best to, to try to distill more than 20 years of, of personal therapy into a book. Um, I think listening to, to podcasts like yours, listening to podcasts like mine, you know, starting to listen to people who've had this experience, we start to, we start to introduce ourselves to a new sensibility or a, a new way of thinking and being. Um, so I think beginning to, to fill our minds with voices 
of self-compassion. You know, readings like from Ram Dass and the, the Buddhist mm-hmm. monk Thich, Thich Nhat Hanh is a, a good place to start. But finding voices who are a little bit farther along this path of self-reflection can be a start. I think even with the, the, the pandemic, pandemic, there are online meetings like Families Anonymous, uh, Refuge Recovery. There are meetings we can go to with Al-Anon and AA where we start to, we start to surround ourselves with people who are doing this kind of work. The great thing about therapy and the great thing about Al-Anon, which by the way is free, Families Anonymous mm-hmm. and Codependence Anonymous is free, um, is if you have the courage to show up and tell your story, the response that you'll have from the other is, okay, thanks for sharing. And there's no, and you start to consider, you start to consider if you take that next step where you share with somebody else your, your truth and they respond that way, you start to consider that you're okay. And that consideration and eventually that idea is what makes the difference. So I would say surrounding yourself with books and, and people that, that have this voice, introducing yourself to meetings, but just really listening to what other people are saying, how they've navigated some of the challenges of mental health and addiction in their life will start to open up for you. A lot of people that I talk with say, they'll listen to my podcast and they'll say at first or read, read the book. At first I didn't get it. At first I was frustrated, but they're listening because they might have a child or a spouse that's struggling. And eventually they say to me, after a while, everything just started to make sense to me. I, I, I was open enough that everything started to sink in. And now six months later or a year later, I can actually sit and think to myself when I'm in a situation, you know, what would Brad or what would so-and-so say about this in this situation? So you start to carry those, those voices with you if you expose yourself to them. I think that's huge. And I think it's, uh, I think it's our opportunity and our responsibility. The resources are now available to us. Even during this time, I'm impressed and amazed and excited by the people that are coming out with their skills and talents to help us through, whether it be on Zoom, whether it be the, cl- the free classes that are being offered online. There are resources now, whether you show up at a meeting, I think that's the uh, ultimate act of self-kindness is to say, hey, I, I'm I want to share my truth. I'm, I want to share this. And what I have found in my life is every time I've done that with one issue or another, it's just what you said. Okay, I've done that too. Or okay, mm-hmm. I've got mm-hmm. that problem. Or oh yeah, I yelled at my kid too. Or whatever it is. And then it opens the dialogue, right? Where I can learn and get better and, and consider new possibilities and, and new ways of doing things. So uh yeah, I, I love that. So let's do that for the Simply Start today. Each week I offer a way to get into these practices to start developing this kind of awareness that will help us live well, do good, and be happy. Today, I want you to pick up a piece of material. I want you to enroll in an online class uh, by Dr. Reedy's book, the audacity, the audacity to Be You, or any other book that, that speaks to you from where you're coming from. Get a resource in your life that will help you start thinking about how to live with kindness, greater self-kindness and greater self-compassion and, and really open yourself up to this kind of awareness that can help you shrug off your horrible rotten self and, and own it and move into it because we all have that component of ourselves. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's an interesting thing, really. I think that's more interesting that we are dynamic and diverse and fluid people. Dr. Reedy, a few minutes ago, you touched on a point when we are critical of our kids or when we say something or when we react in a way, their processing mechanism 
takes it maybe as criticism or maybe that something's wrong with them. Is there a way to circumvent that process? Is there a way to have a conversation with our kids where they don't feel like something's not enough? You know, I think there's a couple of things. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, get really good at apologizing hmm. um, because you're, you're going to do it. I'm going to do it. I, I teach this stuff. My daughter, when I was doing my, my first book tour, my oldest daughter, who's in her 20s at the time, said to, to somebody, somebody said, so you're the, the child of the heroic parent because the first book's name is The Journey of the Heroic Parent. And she said, so is your dad, uh, you know, a heroic parent? She said, well, he knows he's an idiot, so he's tolerable. So <laughs> when, you, when you develop a culture right. where you're just you, you're not right, there, there begins to be this awareness in your child that your reactions are about you. So, so get good at apologizing get good at being you instead of being right. That's the first thing. But the second way is just to talk in terms of ownership. You know, that, that when we leak or when we're feeling something strongly and we feel the urge or the need to tell a child, be very clear that it's your feeling and not them. Hmm. That your frustration is yours. They're just being them. They're just being their horrible rotten self, right? They're human, fallible, imperfect, child self and so you can talk about it in terms of ownership like this is my frustration um i, I talk about taking your own time out you know we're really good or, or we've been taught in our culture to give our children timeouts when when there's bad behavior but my wife started doing this years ago take your own time out say i'm getting overwhelmed um then what happens is your children learn that they're living with it, it's hard to live with the idea that as a child that something's wrong with you, that's a really, really big burden to carry. But it is a burden that you can carry. It's a doable burden when you think, I just live with an imperfect father or mother that gets overwhelmed at times. Then it's not about you. So mm -hmm. talk about it in terms of ownership is the second thing. So learn to apologize and then learn to create a culture in your family where mom and dad aren't right. They're, they're not good. They're just them. And that means that sometimes they're neurotic. Sometimes they say stupid things. Sometimes they blow up. Sometimes they, they leak their feelings all over. But that's something you can live with. I always say if children need us to be perfect, then they're doomed. Hmm. Um, but what they do flourish under is a mom and a dad, uh, authority figures who can own their own stuff and carry around their own feelings and be responsible for them and then apologize when they mess up because that's inevitable. I, I like that. It feels like it takes the pressure off me as the, the parent too. Right. right. I, a lot of times I'll say, you know, because I'm, I'm raising a teenage daughter right now. And um, so we're having a lot of questions, but why, why do I have to do it like that? And, and, you know, and sometimes there's no reason except it just feels better to me. And I'm learning to say that, like, you know, because right now this is what I can do. And I, I, I'm not pretending like I understand why or that it makes sense to me or that it's some intuitive thing. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm still the mom and I'll say, well, it just feels like this is the best thing for our family right now. And we're going to start it and see, or whatever it is. And I've found that there's a lot less pushback when she sees that humanity in me. I'm not pretending that I have it all together. Cause I clearly, I clearly do not have it all right. together, but I'm curious and I'm learning. And I, I feel like, um, maybe by showing up like that on my best days, I am not good at that all the time, uh, that maybe I'm creating space where she can show up and, and learn and be imperfect too. 
One of my favorite lines in the book, and it's something I've been teaching for a while, is I, I tell parents, in this work, hmm. you don't get to be right anymore. You, you, you just don't get to be right, but you do get to be a self, and being a self is so much better. Mm, um, yeah. And I also talk about this idea that when we start to parent from a place of, of self-care, like you're talking about, like, this is what feels okay to me, parents worry, well, isn't the child taking care of you? And, and my answer is absolutely not. You're showing that you're setting boundaries to take care of you. And, and, and in some ways, not on the surface, on the surface, they'll fight against it, as, of course, as always. Mm-hmm. But beneath it, they realize mom, I don't have to take care of mom because mom will take care of herself. Mm-hmm. You're also modeling for them what it means to be in a healthy relationship because when they go out into the world and think about your children getting into toxic relationships with partners, with people, if you model for them that it's okay just to be you, that you can have your boundary even if it's irrational, then nobody can talk them out of it. Oh, right? that's, what pe- that. get, that's, that's what gets people stuck in toxic relationships is they have to be right to set a boundary. They have to be right to get out of it. So when we model for them, I always say, if you tell your child that you're crazy, but this is the way that it is, they'll never argue with you because no child wants to argue against their parents being crazy. So it's a great way to kind of just <laughs> surrender and just be yourself and model that for your children. So I, I think that's right. I think that's beautiful. I could talk to you all day. I think your work is important and the audacity to be you, learning to love your horrible rotten self by Dr. Brad M. Reedy. Check it out. Check it out right now. We talked about the Simply Start, filling your life with resources to guide you and support you and and your future growth and the growth of your family. This is a place to start. The audacity to be you. Dr. Reedy, thanks for being here. Really enjoy being a guest. Thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. I, I enjoyed visiting with you. And you can check out Dr. Reedy's books and his therapy programs and lectures and podcasts at evoketherapy.com. And I'll put those details in the show description. You can find me on Twitter at PL Campbell and on Facebook at Polly Campbell Author. And pick up my most recent book, How to Live an Awesome Life. Now is the time to learn to love ourselves, all the horrible, rotten part of ourselves so that we can better love and be in relationship with others. And doesn't this make sense? When we all do this stuff, we will all learn to live well do good and be happy.